remember that you're here to let go of the world and to wake up to the truth of who you are. So, what I would really love to see you do is really just let go of the world and do a retreat. Just retreat from the world and come and be with yourself. Let the world go. Let your family go. Let the situations in the world go. And just be with you. Because that's all there really is. In this creation, none of this exists. It's all illusion. All your relationships, all the things that you value about yourself and the world, your career, your money, your positions, your friends, whatever, they don't exist. It is not real. And what we are here to share with you in this retreat is how to find that which is true, which is real, which is you. You are spirit. You are not physical matter. This creation is not your home, and this is not your place. You're here as a visitor, a soul that came into this creation to have experience here. And when you're done with that experience, where do you go but back to the realms of spirit once again, complete, whole, done with this experience? So don't put all your value, all your focus into this physical creation. The more you do, the more you feel separated from things. You feel separated from yourself. And you wonder, why am I gathering all these possessions and yet I'm not happy? Why I have all these friends gathered around me that find me important and interesting and, and need me and I need them? and yet I don't feel loved or cared about. Until you love yourself, until you care about yourself, and the yourself that I'm talking about is your soul, not your body. Until you <coughs> care and know yourself, and love yourself, you are going to feel an emptiness, a void inside. Isn't that what brings you here? You're trying to fill something up inside, and nothing else has worked. Not that whole chocolate cake and then a quart of ice cream. <laughs> didn't fill it. Well, maybe a Cadillac will fill it. No, didn't fill it either. You just keep doing what you can, trying to fill that up with whatever you can find in the world. And yet it's empty. There's a hole in the center of your being that is craving to be filled. And you have an appetite to fill it. And that appetite is the soul's longing. It's not the body. That's what you want to begin to look at and see. What is this really all about? What is this pull? What is this emptiness? What is this void? What is this that's going on inside of me? And stop looking to the world and tell you what it is and how to fill it up. Because the world has a million different ways to do it and none of it works. If you've really been paying attention to yourself, there's this part of you that keeps telling you to sit down and be quiet and just be with yourself for a minute. Because your soul is longing for that. It's not longing for you to be more and more out in the world and more and more accomplished in the world. Your soul is longing for you to sit down and take a moment of time out of your life, out of this world, and get to know you, the true you, that loving you, which is your soul. It's interesting. We come down into this creation for what? To experience all of this? Does that make sense? That you come down here and suffer your way through this creation? <coughs> and for many it is a suffering. And for some it's a joy. 
but it's only joyous for a moment. And then it's whatever it is in the next. And then the next moment is different from that. And sometimes we have long moments of a lifetime of one thing on into the next lifetime of another. And we look and wonder why. But if you can go inside and connect to the greater truth of who you are and why you are, and that's a big one. Why am I? Who am I is one thing, but why am I? To be able to know that and to live and the peace and the joy of the knowing of that, and in that way fulfillment, <coughs> is a wondrous place to be. But believe me, the answers are not in the body. They are not in the mind. They are not in the emotions. But they are in you. But the you I'm talking about is your soul. Your soul knows all the answers to every question, every fear, every doubt. It knows the answer to how to resolve that feeling of separation, of aloneness, of longing. It knows. And the soul is now asking you to come into the knowing with it and to work with the soul to allow the freedom that the soul is longing for. Allow the awakening to take place so that you, the true you, can wake up and truly live in this moment, in this day, in this lifetime, in peace, in loving, in joy, in creativity, and in so much more that you really are. You see, the truth of who you are as soul is that you are a divine creation of God. And as that divine creation, God placed within the soul every part that is of God, that dwells in you. You and God are the same. There is no difference. You are a part of God. And so it's for you to wake up and to know that which is the loving, that is the loving of God in you, and all the other components that make that up. Brian was sharing earlier about Lucifer. Well, Lucifer is but one component, one aspect of God. That quality of reflection. And we have that quality within us. And we have every quality, every aspect of God that God is, is us. And it's for us to go inside and begin to wake up to those and to begin to live and fulfill those inside of us and stop chasing after all of this out here to try to find a fulfillment. It's not there. The world is never going to give you the fulfillment that you're truly searching for, that you're longing for. And the world will never fill you up. But you can find that fulfillment by simply doing one thing. Sitting down and being quiet. And being with yourself. And begin to wake up to the truth of who you are. Sitting down and just closing your eyes and going inside and being still. Isn't that what the mystics all tell us to do? The great philosophers? Isn't that what God has told us to do? Be still and know that I am. Be still. That's probably the hardest thing for most people to do. But if we can begin to do that, we will begin to know the greater truth of who we are. 
we can begin to experience the fact that we're not just this physical body, that there's more to us than this body. And we're not just our feelings, and we're not just our mind, that there's something greater than all of that that we are. And that's what meditation is about. Meditation is about going inside and waking up. Waking up to all these different levels within ourselves. And truly becoming aware and familiar with the truth of ourselves, the multiplicity of ourselves. Because there is a multiplicity. There are all these aspects of God inside of us that are waiting and longing to be fulfilled, to be manifested, to be expressed. That's what the void is. That's what the longing is. We are going to fill ourselves up with ourselves, with the truth of who we are. But when the soul came down into this creation to have experience in this physical creation, it couldn't experience. There was no way for the spirit that we are to have experience in this physical material creation. So we took on these elements of the body, all these different components, in order to have experience in this world, in this creation. But very quickly, we began to look down and out into the creation to have experience that we lost sight of the truth of where we came from. Where we really came from is spirit. Where we really came from is out of the heart of God itself. But the moment we began to get caught up in the mind, the emotions, the body, and get caught up in this down and outward focus to experience all that they had to offer us, we began to lose our awareness of the true self, of the soul. We began to stop looking inward and upward to remember who we are while we're in this creation. And before long, we just believed ourselves to be of and in this creation, and this is it. Have you ever felt that way? Kind of lost and alone and bewildered, like, what the hell? I know I got to experience that. And I learned very quickly, I didn't want to live in this hell. I didn't want to live in that separation. I didn't want to live in that aloneness. And I was very fortunate to have a memory of where I came from. And of what and who I really am. And I spent a lot of my childhood continuing to look inward and upward and to reconnect and reconnect and reconnect again and again and again. Even when the world would tell me, no, you're doing it wrong. You're doing this world wrong. Stop it. Wake up. They would say, wake up to the world. Wake up to what's out here. Wake up and get busy and do the world. And I tried that several times. And every time I did, I just felt worse. I felt so, so in pain and in separation and longing and wanting that I would have to go back to my other way of just going between my house and my neighbor's house. Every evening after school, I would go and I would just sit and be still. I would just sit and go within. I would just sit and see what was real inside of me and stop trying to follow after all the illusion. And yeah, I had friends that walked away because I was crazy. <laughs> because I didn't want to go play baseball anymore. I didn't want to go do this. I didn't want to go do that. But it didn't serve me. It didn't fulfill me. It actually caused me to feel more pain because of the separation that I felt inside. 
And here I was participating. I was doing. I was trying. But the more I did it in that outward focus, the more I felt alone. The more I felt separated from something. And I couldn't figure out what it was. But the more I sat between those houses and just sat there and closed my eyes and went inside and was still with myself, the more I found peace, the more I found loving, the more I found that I was happy and I was fulfilled. And so I learned very quickly as a child how I was going to live my life. And I did that for a number of years until the teens hit. Anybody remember when the teens hit? <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what. Hormones pull you out. <laughs> That's all there is to it. They just pull you out into the world and get you involved, get you caught up, get you focused out there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and so I went into that. After going through that first phase of being drawn out by friends and, and just the world, and finally finding that way back inside and holding to that, because that's where my peace was, that's where my loving was. All of a sudden, a new opportunity to experience the outer cave. And that was a tug of war. That was like being ripped apart. And I'm sure you went through that too as a teen. That feeling of being ripped apart. Wondering, what in the world is wrong with me? It's funny because when we're younger, we don't have a lot of the karmas active in our lives. And karmas are our unlearned lessons. When the soul comes into this creation, it doesn't just come down here to, to go for the ride. It comes down here to learn lessons. And each time we come into this creation, we come down with a little packet or a little booklet of lessons that we're to learn. Unfortunately, when that doctor slaps us on the behind and we start crying, we forget and drop that packet and we don't know where it is and we don't know what our lessons are now. But for the first seven, eight, ten years, we're moving through this world as a child in the world, and unless we have some really heavy lessons to learn, we maybe don't have a lot thrown on us. But when the hormones kick in, the karmas also join in. The unlearned lessons that the soul brought into this creation to learn kick in at that time, if not before. And then it's the tug of war. Then it's a game of magnetic polarities. And we're pulled this way, and we're pulled that way, and we're pulled in all different directions. And what is that going on? The magnetic polarity of the physical body is pulling you one way for an opportunity to learn a lesson in the physical nature about physical creation. The emotional nature is pulling you another way to learn about emotional nature and this physical creation and the mind is also pulling you maybe another way because that's where lessons are at and you're magnetically being drawn that way so it's a tug of war and it's like you're in the middle of it going what the heck what do I do I want I, 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 I don't know and we think we're going crazy because all this stuff is just pulling and yanking and we're longing that and, and drawn this way and it's the world and that's the way magnetic polarity works. The world is a world of positive and negative, good and evil. Isn't that what it says about creation? 
Don't eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, you ate of it. And now you have to learn about it. So why avoid it? Why avoid all that pull? Why avoid being involved in the world? That's where the lessons are. Why not go do them? Why not go learn them? One of the reasons is the world doesn't really teach us about all this. The world doesn't teach us that we're here to learn lessons. And that if we will pay attention, we can learn them. But we don't learn how to pay attention. We learn how to avoid. How to run away. Or how to go after it and get it our way. It's got to be my way or no way. Or however the world has taught you to do it. If it even taught you anything. But a lot of times, it's our own fear that stops us from going forward. Is that what stops you? You're afraid? You're afraid of doing it wrong? You're afraid you're not going to do it right? You're afraid you don't know what you're supposed to do, so I better not do anything? Fear is an amazing energy that stops us, stops us in our tracks. And then we get comfortable not moving forward. It's easier to take two steps back and avoid and not move forward than it is to keep moving forward. Walk through my fears? Are you kidding me? I can't stand being in that energy. I can't stand what it does to me. Don't make me go there. Don't make me do that. So I remember as a teenager being confronted with all this and so much more. I can't even begin to talk about it all. But fear was a big one. Have you ever had a dream, and in that dream, all of a sudden, from one side, in the dark, this monster, this thing, this eerie, scary person, maybe with a knife, or maybe with a chainsaw if you're in Texas? <laughs> well, that's how we do it in Texas. <laughs> You're going to have fun if you're going to do it. I mean, Knives <laughs> are scary, but chainsaws, now that's going to scare them. <laughs> have you ever been chased? And you're running and running and running in a dream, trying to get away from something that is terribly frightening? I know I was, early in my childhood, in my teens, several times. But one day, all of a sudden, I realized that it was chasing me, and I wanted to know, why are you chasing me? Why do you want to kill me? Why are you trying to scare me to death? Why, why, what? And I stopped, and I was afraid to turn around at first. I stopped and I said, why are you doing this? And whatever that was that was chasing me apparently stopped because it didn't come up and kill me. And so I thought, okay, so it stopped, so it's, it's listening. So I turned around, and there it was standing just a few feet behind me. And I knew it could get me any second because I wasn't going to be able to get away that fast if I was facing it. And I said, what the hell are you doing? I don't like this when you chase me in my dreams. Stop it! <laughs> and it looked at me and it started laughing, just kind of like what you're doing, but much more laugh. And I said, so this is funny, huh? You think this is funny? 
should I be laughing too? And he started laughing more. And so I said, okay, if this is a joke, I want to know the joke. I want to know what I'm going to laugh at from you. What, what can you give me that will help me to understand this better? And this thing walked up to me and handed me this butcher knife. Or tried to hand me the butcher knife. Not hit me with it, but hand it to me. Well, I started to reach out for it, and when I did, I touched his hand to get the knife, and he dissolved. He was gone. And I went, wait a minute. Is it that easy? So sometime later, not the next night, but sometime later, I was in a dream, and I was running from this monstrous thing, and I went, wait a minute. I don't have to run away from this thing. I turned around and it came running right at me and when it did I put my hands out and it was gone. And I couldn't figure out what was going on here. So the next time it happened I didn't put my hands out and I let it come right up to me. And as it did it just absorbed into me. It tried to attack me, but it just absorbed into me. And when that happened, I realized that whatever this is that's coming at me is me. It's out of me. I'm projecting that. I'm the creator of that. Whatever that is. So, the next time it happened, I sat down. Not immediately, but I sat down. And I said, sit. Just sit. <laughs> and it did. It obeyed me. And I said, I want to know what you are. I want to know who you are. What are you trying to tell me about me? And he laughed at me and he said, that's all you need to know. I said, what? <laughs> That's all I need to know, what? <laughs> I'm dumb, I don't get it, what? <laughs> and he said, all you need to know is what you just said. And he was gone. He just dissolved. So I meditated on that for quite a while. Until I realized that it truly is a part of me that is wanting something from me. And that I'm afraid to meet with that. I'm afraid of that in me. And I realized what I was afraid of. I was afraid of the power that is inside of me. The power of loving, the power of creativity, the power. And these things that were coming at me were very powerful. And they were presenting to me these different aspects, these different qualities of my own potential, my own power. And that's when I began to see that everything in my life was a lesson to be learned an opportunity to learn and grow. And so I began asking these different things inside of me that would come up. My fears, my angers, my frustrations, my joys, my peace. I would say, teach me, O oh teacher, teach me. You are my teacher right now. Teach me my lesson. Show me the way through this. To understanding. And the more I would ask, the more it would happen. And then a big lesson came. A big lesson. All these other things were minuscule compared to this lesson. And that was the lesson of cancer.
when I was diagnosed with cancer, I knew right then, okay, now this is a big lesson. Let's learn this one. Let's see what this is about. And I learned. I learned so much about myself in that moment of having cancer. Do you know what cancer often is? And I'm not saying it always is, I'm saying often is. It's a judgment that we've either accepted from others and taken on as our own. Or it's a judgment we've created about ourselves and keep beating ourselves up with it. And that creates such separation from our own loving that it allows the imbalance of all of that action to actually physically manifest in the body. And it usually and often shows up as a cancer. And if we can go in and begin to work with that through forgiveness, forgiving whoever judged us and put a judgment on us, and really move into loving with them, or forgive ourselves for taking on their judgment and making it our own, and then running that judgment over and over and over, and love ourselves and forgive ourselves and accept ourselves and find the truth of who we are and all that, we can get free. We can get free of the judgment and we can get free of the cancer. We can. But it takes a lot of work. It takes doing it over and over and over. And isn't that what we ask you to do with loving, accepting, and forgiving? You don't just do it once. I wish you could. I wish that it would be so simple that you just love and forgive and accept yourself once, and it's done. Love and accept and forgive your mom and your dad once, and it's done. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> You do it, and you do it, and you do it until it's done. You do it with yourself, you do it with others, you do it with the world, you do it with God. Have you ever judged God? Have you ever condemned God? Have you ever blamed God? What the hell? Why did you give me these parents? I mean, what did I do to deserve this? Are you just trying to torture me? Is this a joke? And you're having a good time with me? I've heard people say that. And I'm sure God's going, I didn't create this for you. You did. You handle your creation. You learn from your creation. You know, sometimes the biggest challenge for me is I can see lifetimes, past, present, and future. I can see why you're in the karmic patterns you're in, how you've created them, how you've not allowed yourself to learn them in the lifetime that you were there to learn, and so they've carried over into this one. You didn't just bring in five things to learn in this lifetime, you brought in those five things plus three more from the last life and two more from the lifetime before that. But the problem is you can't remember what those other things are all about. But you wake up into those lessons still running in your life, but you're going, what happened? How, what, what, what did I do? Was I so bad? Am I such a bad person that God has put me in this position? No. You avoid it through fear or whatever, learning the lessons from another lifetime. You avoided them. You ran away from me. You said, oh, I'll wait and I'll do it in another life. Believe me, I've actually heard that. Next lifetime, next lifetime. Well, guess what time? This time's 
next lifetime. And they're upon you. And they're not going to go away. Maybe there's no next lifetime. You better get it done now or else. And the problem is, we come into this lifetime carrying some of those things with us, but we don't have the opportunity to live the full expression of that lesson. We just all of a sudden have it heaped on us and wonder, what the hell? Where did this come from? Why? And the key is, don't ask why. Because you're not going to get the answer. Just look and say, okay. Okay. This is my lesson right now. This is my opportunity right now. And do what you can to learn it. When we share with you in here, we're sharing with you certain tools that can help you to move through these things quickly. And meditation is one of the great tools that will help you to do that. Just sitting down and going inside and being centered and living in the truth of who you are for a moment. And in order to get to that truth, you have to go through all those little illusions that maybe cause you to run away and to avoid and, no, no, I don't want to see that. And look at some of the things about yourself that you've avoided. But by doing that, you can begin to get in touch with the truth of who you are and the loving that you are and truly begin to transform your life and have a fulfillment and have lessons completed. You can do it the hard way or you can do it the easy way. My dad used to tell me that all the time. I said, yeah, dad, but the easy way is hard. He goes, but it's easy. It's easier than the hard way. And I found out that he told the truth. It really is. There's no easy, easy way. But there's an easy way through the hard ways. If you put loving before you wherever you go, that loving will begin to transform whatever is in front of you. But if you put fear, if you put hatred, if you put judgment, if you put anger, if you put avoidance or whatever out there, that's what, how you're going to deal with the world and that's how the world's going to deal with you. But if you put love out there, love transforms everything. It doesn't mean that you don't have to go into the lesson and learn it. But you're going to do it in loving. You're going to do it with loving. And the world's going to come back with loving to you. Because what does the world do but reflect? It reflects back to you that which you are putting out. So if you're putting out loving, loving is going to come back to you and help you to learn the lesson that is in front of you right now. It's just that simple. The hard part is remembering to put loving out there sometimes. When somebody's yelling at you, when somebody's angry with you, when somebody's judging you, or you're looking in the mirror and that mirror image is doing that to you, called you're doing it to yourself, sometimes it's hard to bring the loving forward and put it out there. But that's what you have to learn, how to do that and what that really is. I learned something when I was a kid. I was at a Sunday school class. And the Sunday school teacher was talking to us about different things in the Bible that we're to learn. And so that week, that Sunday, it was a simple statement in the Bible, love your neighbor as yourself. 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 Say it, say it, over and over. Say it, say it, until you do it. Say it, say it, over and over. Say it, say it, until you do it. That's what she would do. You know, you have to say it over and over until it becomes a part of you. 
And so I went home and I was doing that out loud and silently and before I'd go to bed and when I'd get up and love your neighbor as yourself, love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I heard something in the statement that I was saying. What I heard was, you have to love yourself to love your neighbor. That was big. They were putting it all backwards. Love your neighbor as yourself. They were putting the neighbor first. Where it really should say, love yourself to love your neighbor. You have to love yourself first. And that began a great quest for me of how to love myself. And what was that really to do that? How do you love yourself? Well, you do it just like the Sunday school teacher said. You just keep repeating it over and over and over and over until you get it. Well, I didn't know any other way to do it, so I started doing that. At the age of seven, I'm walking to, to school going, I love myself, I love myself, I love who I am, I love what I am, I love what I do, I love, you know, and I would just say this over and over, going to bed at night, getting up in the morning, over and over for weeks I said this, until one day I said, I love myself just as I am, and I felt it, just like I can feel it now. I love myself. I truly love who I am. I love that beingness that I am. And it's that beingness and that love that I know that I can love you. I can love you in that same way. Because I know that I am you and you are me. We are the loving. We are the divine, living, loving essence of the Lord. That's what soul is. When God created us, God created us in loving, out of loving, with loving, to be loving. A continuation of the movement of God's loving, God created us as. And it's for us, as souls, to come into the awareness of who we are as loving. But not loving of the world, not the love of the world, the need, the magnetic pull, the, all that. That's not the loving. The loving is that which is God in you, in motion, in movement, in expression. You are the living, loving essence of the Lord. That's what and who you are. And the more you can come to wake up to that, and live that, and put that before you in everything that you do, wherever you go, whatever you say, then you begin to truly live and know the truth of who you are as divine, as soul, as a child of God. And boy, does this ever sound like a churchy little preaching. <laughs> But it's the truth. It's the truth that I know. You've got to find your truth. And maybe you'll put a whole bunch of other words on it. But it'll be the same thing. It'll be the same energy. It'll be the same demonstration. You'll just call it something different. But I can say one thing. Whatever you call it, however you live it, it is going to be your fulfillment. For me, it was finding the God that dwells within me, right here at the seat of the soul. For me, it was finding the truth of who I am. I am loving. I am a child of God. I am a divine expression of God's creation. And I am to live that divinity in all that I do, wherever I go. And I am to see the divinity, the divine, the child of God, 
that's sparked with loving in everyone that I meet. Because if I deny it in any of you, I deny it myself. And that hurts. And I would rather you live in the loving that I know that you are than living in the separation of that. And that's what you're doing quite a bit of the time. Unless you know the truth of who you are as a divine child, as that divine spark. This retreat is called Experiencing the Divine. It's not called experiencing the world, experiencing the mind, experiencing the emotions, experiencing your body. You've done all that. You've done it until you're sick of it. You've done it and not found anything that really fulfills you. Oh yeah, it may have fulfilled you for a minute, but now it doesn't, and now I've got to go on and search for something else that fulfills me for a moment. I'm sick of chocolate cake, I'm going to go try some popcorn. <laughs> That'll fulfill me, at least for a movie. But if you can sit down and do the meditation, go inside and be still for a moment and bring your awareness up above all that is of this physical nature, and wake up to the divine that rests here. This is called the seat of the soul, or the spiritual heart center. This is where you begin to experience God, the God that dwells within you. Another experience, when I was a child. I visited all kinds of churches and synagogues. I went to the, the, the Jewish synagogues as well as a child. I was searching for God. I knew it had to be, he had to be in one of these buildings because they said so. But I'd go there and I couldn't really find God in any of them. And I'd go and attend all the different services and I'd listen to them talking about God and I'd hear partial truths. I could hear the possibility, but I never really connected to the fullness of any of it. And then one day, I was at a Catholic church. And I'm looking around and I know that in the tabernacle is supposed to be the Eucharist, the body of Christ, and that that was the indwelling place of God in the church. And I kept looking and looking, trying to find God in the tabernacle, in the candles, in the bells ringing, whatever, and I couldn't. Well, Mass started, and the priest came out, and everybody stood up, and he began saying the Lord's Prayer. And he's saying it, and at first I had my eyes closed, but something inside said, no, open your eyes, open your eyes. And I opened my eyes and I looked, and I was saying the prayer, but I was looking out at the people in front of me. I was quite a ways back, and I could see all the way up to the altar, and I could see all these people that were between me and the altar, and they were much taller than me. And we said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, when they said, which art in heaven, all this light, all this energy, all this loving went whoop, right here. Just like that. And not everybody, but almost everybody that I can witness in front of me. And then they continued with the prayer. And at the end of the prayer, Amen, the energy dropped once again. And I remember I walked out of there realizing I had seen something that was quite amazing. 
So I went back the next Sunday, and it happened again, which art in heaven, and it was right here. Boy, that told me something. That's where I had to begin my journey. That's where I had to begin my search. It wasn't in these buildings, it wasn't in this minister, this priest, this rabbi, or anything else. It wasn't in this book. It was right here in each of us. So when I began to pray, which now I know is meditation, but when I began to pray, I held my focus up here. And that's where I found God. The first level of God that you're going to meet up with is that which is God in you, your soul. That's the divine aspect of God that you are. And that's where we have to wake up to God first. That's why we ask you to sit down, close your eyes, let go of all that is of this body, and just hold your attention up here in loving with God. And just be in the loving with God for a moment. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know my loving. Be still and know yourself. And know the truth of who you are. If you do that every day, five minutes every day, ten minutes every day, a half hour a day, you're going to come into a greater understanding of yourself, of your loving, and how to move that loving into the world and transform your life and transform your world. And yeah, it'll still be the same people out there every day that you're dealing with. They're not going to go away. But you're going to approach them differently. And you will even find they're going to approach you differently because of where you're coming from. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, that will begin to transform the way they approach you, the way they move with you. Like Brian said earlier, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. But to do that, guess what? You've got to sit down. You've got to go inside. You've got to hold your focus up here and see. See what happens. You don't even have to be in loving. You don't have to focus on loving. You don't even have to believe in God. You do not have to believe in God. But to do this, you're going to meet with God. God's going to meet with you. And you may even deny it. No, no, that, that, that's not possible. You, you don't exist. Don't you know that? You don't exist. But the loving will overwhelm you. One of those days that you're doing it. To the place where you know now. Okay, 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 I know you exist, okay. Now, leave me alone. <laughs> but you'll go back for more. And God will go, I thought you wanted me to leave you alone. What are you doing here? I can't leave you alone if you're here. Because I'm not going to leave you alone. But you'll go up there and go, I don't want to be alone. That's my problem. That's why I did this in the first place. I was trying to find a place not to be alone. I just didn't know it was going to be with you that I would be not alone. Does that make sense? <laughs> so, these next few days when we're meditating, don't sit in meditation focusing on your body, your emotions your imaginations, your mind, the world out there. Don't go into meditation trying to get answers to all the questions that you keep running all the time, or solutions to all of your problems. Don't do it. You're not going to find it. Rather, let go and let God. 
Let go of the world. Let go of all that. And just hold your attention here at the seat of the soul. And allow yourself to wake up to the peace that's there. Allow yourself to wake up to the loving that's there. Allow yourself to wake up to the God that is dwelling there waiting for you to come. This is the top of the mountain that Moses went to the top of. If you look in the Bible of the Hebrew Bible and translate the Hebrew writings, it says Moses went into the mountain. He went in and top into the top of the mountain. That's what we have to do. We have to go into the mountain and to the top. And there we will confront the burning bush. And the voice of God will speak to us. And what does it speak but loving? That's what we are to do. Wake up here first, and then oil shall be given unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Well, this is the first place where you experience the kingdom of God. And then oil shall be given to you. Believe me, it will. It will. Clarity, understanding, the way to move through things in your life. And yeah, the world's still hell. The world's not going to transform for you or anybody. But you will know how to walk through hell in loving. You will know how to be at peace in chaos. Does that make sense to you? Is that what you long for? I know it is. I know ultimately that is the truth. There is no other truth in this creation. The only truth that there is, is you. You, the soul, is the only truth that exists. Everything else is an illusion. Everything else does not exist. If God were to call all the souls out of this creation today, this wouldn't exist. When we came into this creation, it was void and without form. That's what this creation was. And that's what this creation is. It's void and without form. It really does not exist. But through our creativity, we took that void, we took that nothingness, and we created with our imagination all that there is here. Good creation. Good creators. A few mistakes here and there, but quite good. <laughs> But you know that if you go inside and really connect to the loving, you will find this creation beginning to dissolve from beneath you. And you'll rise up above it and see it for what it really is. And when you come back into it, you will approach it differently. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go here and wake up and know the truth. The truth of who you are as a divine, as a divine living aspect of God. Wake up and in that rise up above all of this creation and know the truth of this creation for what it really is. So that when you do come back down here and move into it, you'll approach it very, very differently. And You'll even find that this creation will approach you very differently. So tomorrow, when we meet here at 9 o'clock, we'll start a two and a half hour session of meditation. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> it's very interesting. We think we cannot do two and a half hours of meditation. No, 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 no. I don't think it. I know it. What do you mean, think? But I can guarantee 
that if you come every day for the next few days and spend two and a half hours sitting and holding your focus here and bringing your focus back and bringing your focus back and bringing your focus back and that's what it's going to be like because none of us are going to sit down here and hold our attention here for two and a half hours. Not if you have a mind, not if you have a body. Because they're going to call you ever back down. Wait, what are you doing up there? Come down here. There's nothing up there. Well, that's what my brother used to tell me. Empty, empty, totally empty. <laughs> I believed him. And thank God it's still, it's empty, empty. There's nothing out there but God. <laughs> Come and spend the two and a half hours chanting the hue, chanting the sacred name of God if you've achieved, or achieved, God in this year. Achieved. And just keep bringing your focus back to God. And loving God and allowing God to love you. Even if you don't believe in God, just play the game and see what happens. You'll be very surprised. The hue is one of the spoken names of God. And the you carries a frequency that will actually assist you in waking up at this level. That's the spoken name of God to awaken us into the physical level of soul that we are here. The other five names that make up the sacred name of God that are given in initiation wake us up into other levels of soul in other realms, all the way back into the soul realm and into the realm of spirit. But we first wake up here. And we ask people to do that meditation with the hue, to wake up here and to begin to take responsibility for your karmas through loving. And let the loving begin to transform a lot of that for you and with you so that you begin to feel and know the freedom that is in God's loving. And by chanting the sacred name, either the hue or the unspoken name that's sacred of initiation, you will begin to awaken and allow that movement of loving and grace and compassion and forgiveness and acceptance and enthusiasm and creativity and on and on and on that is God in you. It will all come awake. And you will begin to live it and fulfill it. And it will fulfill you and live you. And it all begins by sitting down and closing your eyes and going inside. Maybe it's as simple as saying, Our Father which art in heaven. And what was the next phrase? Hallowed be thy name. Sacred is the holy name. Sacred is that name of initiation. The unspoken name of God. Hallowed be thy name. Come up here and focus in loving with God. And chant that sacred name to wake up into the greater glory of the truth of who you are. It's just that simple. You want the keys to the kingdom? The names are the keys to the kingdom. You want... To know all the truths of all creations and that which is beyond that, sit down and do the meditation. Because Jesus said, and so many others have said, seek first the kingdom and all else shall be given to you. And I know all else. I know all else will be given to you. You don't even have to ask for it. It is just given to you. And many of you know it already. Many of you are doing the meditation. Many of you know what I'm talking about as truth. And that's why you keep coming back. Just 
to wake up to more, to wake up into the greater loving, more and more and more. And sometimes we need a refresher course. You come here, and you get all charged up, oh, I can meditate for two and a half hours, I know it, I can do it, I can do it, I can, and then we get out there and we go, I can do it, I, uh, uh, I'm just so tired, I, I'll do an hour, oh, oh, well, I'll just do a half hour today, and I'll make it tomorrow, and I'll do an hour and a half, and, you know, it, it, I think that's the truth in how we work, and so we do these retreats to help re-enthuse you, to re-inspire you, to remind you of what this is really all about and why you're really doing this and how it is really serving you. And I think you all know, we do it out of our loving so that you can be in the loving too. And why do we do it? Because we're selfish. We don't do it for you, we do it for ourselves. Because the more we're participating and sharing in this flow of energy, the more we're in God's loving for a moment. And it's a wonderful place to be. That's why I'm not stopped talking. <laughs> when I'm in the flow of loving, I can do this for hours. <laughs> once when I stop talking in a few minutes, and within a half hour, I'll be like, I gotta go to bed. I'm exhausted. Because <laughs> God pulled the plug. 